Leader Fables, a podcast where two lifelong friends and totally obsessed business nerds discuss all things leadership. I'm your host, Casey Clark, and I'm joined by my great friend and your co-host, Jacob Evans, who is very pushy and opinionated about what kind of car he thinks I should buy. That's true, because Casey needs a new car. It's a real clunker. (laughs) Real clunker. It's like an old man, old man's car now. And, and Jacob keeps sending me recommendations for Lots cars recommendations. that I cannot afford well, hold and then shaming me that I will not buy them. Just to be clear, Casey, you are El Presidente now. You should be <laughs> able to afford any car on the planet with, within reason. Most cars on the planet, we'll put it that way. It's not true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loop you into what it's like to work for a nonprofit. And you can, <laughs> you can from, from rickshaw to, you know, something else, something, yes. something premium. Well, well, how funny that we start this conversation talking about uh, any kind of uh, money because we, we're going to focus and we're going to continue our focus on the altitudes of planning. Uh, we've went through several different ways to think about this as far as like your daily routines, your weekly, quarterly, creating a life plan. And then we did an episode where we put it all together. If you haven't listened to those, uh, you're fine. Because this episode today will stand on its own and is in support of those altitudes. And today we're talking about how to create margin, Jacob, margin, not margarine, margin in your life, how to create time, space, uh, and how that connects to planning. I am so excited to talk about this because I got to tell you, Casey, the last couple of weeks have been in some respects, marginless for me. It's been, it's been, I've been just really busy and, uh, I, I'm hoping that today this will be kind of like a, a one-on-one coaching therapy session because I definitely recognize I need more margin in my life. Yeah. And I, I don't think I've met anyone ever who's like, I got plenty of margin. Every, everything's good. I got plenty of time, plenty of money, plenty of resources. Um, but in the same respect, I know when I plan, I don't know if you're like this, I plan as if everything is going to work out perfectly. And then when one thing doesn't work out perfectly, it throws off everything else. An example, we were set to record 20, 30 minutes ago. Now, Jacob's sitting on the line waiting for Casey. Hey, you know, if you bother to show up, just send me a message and I'll pop on. And because I had planned my day down to the minute and guess what? One meeting went long and now it's a domino effect. Yep. I've, I've had many of those days in the last couple of weeks where one thing went wrong and now I'm working until 8 PM. <laughs> nice. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, several different ways to add some margin. And, and we're going to say this as uh, practitioners, not, uh, experts here. You know, people who are practicing and learning these lessons as we go. And I was, you know, when I, when I started thinking about this topic, I thought about a change that I made to my rhythms and routines a couple years ago that made a huge difference for me. And I call it business Sabbath Saturday. And I love business. I love the jobs that I do. I do not consider them a burden. Well, most, almost everything I do is because I like doing it. If there's something I don't like doing, I'm pretty quick to cut it or to make it, you know, change it in some way. But I was finding that I would just run out of steam and lose energy, lose focus. And I needed a time where I was not working. 
And so me and my wife had been talking about this and she's like, even in your spare time, you are focused on business. Like your hobbies are working. Like, and I was like, Oh, that's, that's a real problem. If my hobby is doing what I need a break from, it's, it's not a great thing. And so we started this, I started this where on Saturdays I do zero work and it's more than not doing work. It's, it's not even allowing myself to mentally, uh, engage with work or any of the focuses on business in my life to the point where I have rules that I cannot listen to a business podcast. I cannot read a business book. I cannot, uh, look at my work email and it it sounds very kind of legalistic and structured, but I found that it forces me to disconnect from all of the things that are happening, take a break, take a breath, get re-inspired and even look forward to getting to work on it on, you know, starting Sunday where I do my planning for the week. But this act of just setting aside Saturdays is like, I will not engage in business if at all possible. Uh, I probably broke it once in two years um, because I was traveling for a business conference, but but that time is reserved. So have have you done anything like this where you've tried to like pull yourself out for a certain amount of time to rest and reflect and breathe? Oh, for sure. And uh, I think we'll talk about this a little more later, but um, I do try to set, set aside Saturdays for no work. I don't think my guardrails are quite as high as yours. Uh, I'll sometimes check email or I'll have a thought. I'll write it down. Um, but yeah, I try really hard to have at least one day during the week where I'm not thinking about work and I'm, you know, focused on my family and all that sort of stuff. I I've been through seasons where my wife kind of gave me the same feedback. It's like, Jacob, all you think about is your job. And you know, when you're here, you're here, but you're not always present. And, uh, one of the things I've tried to do not only on Saturdays, but also during like social, uh, engagements, evenings and that sort of stuff is to, Leave my phone somewhere else so that I can be present and with the people I I, I love and like. <laughs> yeah, that's a there's a can, can you move from one list to the other? Like you start, I, I kind of tolerate you, then I like you, then I might get to love. That's exactly uh, right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Love yeah, and an like aspirational uh, stepping stone there. Uh, I like it, you know, and I had to put for me those hard boundaries on myself because I found when I stopped working, when I actually like. I'm not on my computer, not in a project. Then my brain started. And and I think we all know this. Like you go on a walk, that's where you're going to have your best ideas. You get in the shower, you go, even I'll go to conferences. I won't listen to anything at the conference, but just to create creativity starts to flow. And I found that creativity even distracting to the point of like, uh, I had to shut it down. And it's why I couldn't do anything that sparks that from happening. And, And I like your tip about just, I need to write this down so I can get it out of my brain. Uh, if not, sometimes it's hard to fight those uh, feelings back. But And that's kind of what I do when I go on vacation. Like vacation is is often the time that I get the most like the most ideas. I get the most inspiration. I'm, I, I do think about work. But one thing that I've tried to do as I vacation is I just write those ideas down. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to write it down. And that kind of gets it off my brain. I'll look at it later when I come back from vacation. And sometimes those are really great ideas. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know why I was thinking that, 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 that's dumb. 
a monkey shoe robot. Mm-hmm. What what was it's like when you write down a dream uh, and you're like, oh, that makes no sense later. But I find it really it's really interesting. Like you get out of work and all you can think about is work. And then sometimes yeah. when we're at work, all we can think about is what we want to do when we get home. It's it's this yeah. sort of bizarre. I'm sure there's some neuroscience that could tell us explain this phenomena to us. But uh, it's really interesting. And I, I've many times kind of fit that bill where when I'm at work, I don't want to be at work. And when I'm at home, I don't want to be at home. <laughs> yeah, I want, what, I want what I'm not in right now. Well, you know, it, this isn't easy. This is hard. So maybe we start with the why. why. Why even do this? If it's hard to do, if why not let your brain just go where you want it to go? And when you feel like working, work, and you feel like don't, don't, you know, but I, I don't think it's that simple. And I think there are some really key attributes that come around when you create margin in your life. If, if creating margin didn't make me more effective, I think it would be hard for me to actually do it. But what I've learned is that margin actually makes me like more creative, uh, in how I think and gives me, uh, like a palate cleanser. Like if you get a really nice meal, right? Like they give you those palate cleansers, uh, before you go on to the next course, because, your taste buds need to reset, uh, or you taste that food differently. And I I think the same is true with, uh, margin and creativity. Yeah. I think margin helps us get some altitude. We can kind of see things more clearly when we are a little more removed from them. And I think that's really good. I think the other thing that we just need to keep in mind, one, one other reason to consider margin is as leaders in working in businesses, that role fills a vacuum. Like it, it, it's, it just, it takes up all the space you'll give it. And, uh, I think that by setting guardrails, developing some, some, um, methods to create margin, it won't fill, it, it won't fill up. So you got room for other stuff. You got room for your family. You've got room for vacation. You've got room to have some big thoughts and to think strategically and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And it sets the tone for your team to also be able to do that. Cause whether you like it or not, they're watching mm-hmm. how often you're working. You know, if you're never taking a break, they're not going to take a break or they feel like they have to hide a break, which is, which is bad. I also think it gives you some room to pivot if something's not working. And, and this is back to the point we were just talking about, like if every second of my day is scheduled and I find a problem in the middle of it, it's like, well, it's a problem because I have no time to fix it whatsoever. In fact, I was telling you a story right before I was working on this project um, and the prod we had done a pilot and the pilot went terrible and people were like, okay, great. Close down the pilot. We completed it. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, but the pilot didn't work. Like we need to go back and redesign. Like it, it's just so easy to think like it changes the definition of completion for me if I have time to tweak, if I have time to really assess whether it's worked or not, but it allows me to pivot. Um, another thing I think it does is it helps prevent burnout. And I was thinking, uh, we have kids that do track in my family. I know Jacob, you kind of grew around, uh, yep. grew up around track people too. Yep. And I love it, it. One of my kids, I won't say who it was, uh, one of their very first races, uh, they were in this, I think it was a 200, which is, which is a sprint but it, you know, it's still a quarter of the track. So it's, it's not a light sprint. And I remember maybe it was a 400. So it was like one lap around. And, uh, this kid took off with the, when it started and was so far ahead of the other runners and you could just see it on their face. Uh, like, man, I am winning. And then 
everyone in the stands, everyone was like, okay, you know what's coming, right? They're going to hit the wall. And he. They're going to well, walk just, across the finish line. That's what happened, right? They couldn't even run across <laughs> them. Their legs were cramping. They were like throwing up. And this is such an analogy to how we work and how we live is in the moment, I don't know I'm going too fast. Um, it's it's going to hit me at an inopportune time unless I've built in some margin to pre- preventive uh, maintenance <laughs> on what's going to happen in my life. Yeah, I think I, I think that's really true. Like when we get going on a project, like you get you're you're excited, you tend to pile on, and then reality sets in, and you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do to myself? And I, now I have no margin to kind of renegotiate, and uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fully loaded. I don't have any room for anything to to move or or um, uh, yeah, you just you don't have any room. And uh, I think uh, I think margin kind of gives us a little little breathing room when we need it. Uh, which is yeah. a good reason why we ought to prioritize it, right? Yeah, and back to that running analogy, like if I'm having a muscle spasm, there's no other option but to stop, right? If if I'm just like, okay, I know my pace is too fast, I then have options like, okay, I could I could sprint a little while longer and then pull back or I could slow down, I could stop versus I'm in full muscle spasm. All I can do is like lay here on the ground and scream because all of my muscles have turned... Uh, against me at this point. So all in all, when I, when I look at the why on margin is just that margin is part of performance uh, and it's part of planning. It's not, um, it's not something that it's nice when it works out. It actually is a key component to being successful uh, when you're building any type of plan or, or system. Yeah. I think there is, I mean, just, just a kind of a corollary here um, with finances. It's like, if you budget every single dollar down to the last cent, and something in your budget goes wrong or there's something you didn't anticipate. Well, you got to borrow from somewhere else. And I think that's true with life, too. Like when we talk about time, like if we're if we budgeted our time such that there is no margin in it, you're going to borrow from somewhere else. And that that could be that could be unfortunate. You might be borrowing it from people you like and love. Oh, now I'm going to get excited because you're talking finances like then you create also a new expense, which is interest, right? Like right. Uh, that you didn't have before had you created. So we're going to talk about money here in a minute. Uh, and you know me, I like three steps to anything. So we have three different focuses uh, to help regain some margin or to help create margin in your planning. Um, and I think money is one of those. But let's start first with your, I, I think you have to own your calendar and your commitments. This is the number one area where people jack up having any margin uh, in their lives. They get overcommitted uh, to the point where the only way to get margin is to let people down uh, or to yep. not fulfill something you need to complete. I think this is my biggest weakness is overcommitment and not owning my calendar enough. Yeah, it's definitely my biggest weakness. I I like to say yes, usually. And uh, when people say, "Hey, can we get this done by this time?" I'm like, "Yes, I think so." And 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 when those when I've said too many of those yeses, they tend to pile up, and then all my margins gone, all my time's gone, and uh, I'm working till eight p.m. Yeah, right. And then it's not like you're then directly ready to reengage with what now you need a break, and then. That break pushes now families in bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't, or, get to or you got to renegotiate with everyone, and and yeah. sometimes that creates a lot of disappointment, right? 
Yeah, there's a really great exercise. And if you go back to our uh, quarterly planning episode, uh, we talk about this, it, the act of creating an ideal uh, calendar for the week. And I think there's some components to this that I really like that I make it part of every quarterly retreat that I do, where I actually uh, Monday through Sunday will basically have a grid uh, of all the time that is set in the week. And then I will go through and I will say, if this in my ideal week, uh, this is what my time looks like during that week. I know I have a staff meeting on this day. I know I have a date scheduled with my wife at this time. And basically setting your hours um, for different parts of your life, setting your hours for work. This is the time that I'm going to start working. This is the time I'm going to start. This is when I'm going to have a break. This is downtime. And not that you're going to ever, uh, you know, achieve it 100% of the time, but it creates a, a guide or it creates a, a template or a goal for how you're spending your time. And what I like is you can actually load an additional calendar in like Outlook or, and, and then do an overlay on top of each other. So I do this each week in my planning where I can see what my ideal is and then I can look at my reality of, of what I'm scheduled for and I can see what's not congruent uh, in there and then look to see how to, and you talked about it, renegotiate some commitments, maybe decline some meetings, maybe reschedule some meetings, maybe to add a meeting, right? Is like, okay, I, I know I want to have this uh, time with my team, the celebration time. If I just think it's going to happen, it's probably not. I actually need to get it on the calendar to to ensure that it happens. But owning your calendar and your commitments to me is the number one way to find that margin in your life. Yeah, I think that's that. that there's a lot of wisdom in that. One of the things I've tried to do, in fact, recently is just when I have a commitment, I'll put it on my calendar. Like this is the due date for this, and that way when I inevitably get another request saying, Hey, Jacob, can we get this done by this date? It's like, Oh, well, let me look at my calendar and see what else I've got. Mm -hmm. See what else I'm committed to. And and that helps me uh, negotiate kind of on the front end uh, before I say, Oh yeah, we can do that. Or before I even accept a project. Uh, sometimes in the moment, I'm not real good about thinking about everything that's on my plate because yeah. I've got all that stuff stored in different systems, and I I don't have that committed to memory for a reason. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, one of the things that 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 I've tried to do lately is I say, well, you know, that's a great idea. Let me look at my other commitments, and I'll get back to you. Um, nice. And sometimes I can tell them right then, like, no, like that's not going to work. I I know I'm really busy, or um, or I can say, hey, I can, I can get to that. But let, in fact, I had someone reach out to me just yesterday saying, hey, we need some help with this. Uh, can you do it? And I said, well, and I got a lot of stuff going on this week. I said, well, let me get back to you on Friday and I'll let you know. And uh, they were fine with that. Nice. Yeah. Get yourself out of the moment of having to yep. do it. We'll talk about commitments here in a second. Um, and I think that's, that's a really smart one. I even like having a specific time on the calendar where you have to make that decision by, I think that's really smart because also lets that person off the hook about having to follow up and, you know, do all those, those different things. I've, I've had a couple of things recently that I've done on my calendar that have helped me and, and, uh, I want to see if you have any tips or tricks, like practical tips. One is that I've set a four hour meeting rule per day. And I know for some people, four hours of meetings is like slip my wrist. If I have to be in four hours of meetings, I have a very people driven job where most of the impact I make is by meeting with people or, you know, doing that. And so uh, I could easily spend eight hours a day in meetings and 
not blink. But what I found is that one, my energy dips after about four hours of meetings. Second, I grow to resent the meetings and the people in them, which is not a good place to be as a people leader. And three, then I start to check out of meetings because I'm trying to multitask. But if I keep it at around four hours, three to four hours a day, then I know that's about what my tolerance level is uh, with that. And that's helped me a lot. And when I do my weekly planning, I'll add up the meetings each day. And and if I have five hours, I got to go find uh, things to cancel or reschedule. Yeah, I think the tolerance for meetings on a on a given day probably varies by individual. Yeah. Uh, so it's great that you kind of found out, found the number of hours that that you're okay with uh, when it comes yep. to meetings. One of the things I've started doing these last couple of weeks, in fact, is just scheduling 30 minutes before important meetings that I'm having during that week so that time doesn't get blocked and, and, and to ensure that I've got time between my meetings. So I'll look That's at the smart. week. I'll put a 30-minute, like, hey, prep, prep event before each meeting that I need to probably prep for. And uh, that's, that's kind of given me some breathing room too. I can get up, I can, you know, go to the bathroom, I can get some food, I can uh, uh, get some notes out if I haven't like thought about things we need to discuss in the meeting or other items that weren't in the agenda. It's, it's really nice. So yeah, if you're like struggling with meetings, give yourself some margin by scheduling a 30 minute block before each meeting if you can. Yeah. I'm going to add to that. And after, like if you were to sandwich that meeting with an hour of margin, Cause afterwards, then you could take notes. Yep. You could, you know, you could get organized My first year of college. I remember I didn't understand that you had 10 minutes between classes. And so I, I looked at it and was like, this class starts at, it goes from nine to 10 and this starts at 10. Like, how's that going to work? I got to get all the way across the campus. And so I scheduled an hour between each class. Cause I, no one in my family had been to college. Like I was the first one and, uh, but it was wonderful. Yeah, and it became like a, a habit where I would go to class and then after the class, I could sit for a minute with what we did. I would organize my notes. I would do my homework and I was there a little longer. But when I was done, I was done because I had done my homework during the class and it actually turned into a strategy that I've used uh, in other parts. So I, I really like that. I've never thought about adding time before a meeting. That's really smart. I've done after, but to blanket it in time is a really good tip. Yeah. One of the reasons why, I mean, this probably goes without saying is when you've got that time blocked, people can't take it. Yes. And, and, you know, we're all on a shared calendar system and people like to find, uh, you know, open, open slots and, and having that sort of margin, just putting the margin in, in your schedule can be really helpful. I think that's a genius tip. That was worth the cost of the podcast right there. Uh, I have a couple of others. One is um, to calendar fun. And this is like how much of a nerd I am and people would make fun of me, but I will calendar all my vacations a year in advance and, uh, it makes sure I do them. And I can tell you like this year, we've had some health stuff in my family that we've dealt with and we've had to cancel some trips. So that was a bummer, but just knowing that I have time planned out to take a break helps me to not freak out that I'm being overburdened. Right. And it helps me know I'm going to get that break between laps, uh, that's happening. So and I don't think it's just trips, but it's it's like things like I calendar date night with my wife. I calendar a connection with my daughter. Like what's important to me, you can see from what's on my calendar. Um, so I think always make time to throw those fun things on your calendar is, yeah. is a good thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that my wife and I started doing the last few years, actually, is we have a shared family calendar between us. And she puts stuff on it and I put stuff on it. And it's really nice. It really helps us like not double book ourselves. 
I can see what's coming up. It's where we put our vacations and date nights and things that we're doing with our daughter and things we're doing with our friends. And it, it, it has been the single biggest thing that we've done that has improved our communication and reduced a lot of friction. And uh, yeah, so if you've, if you've got a significant other, partner, spouse, consider establishing a shared calendar where, where you and they can put stuff on there. And uh, it's really nice. And I get notified when she adds stuff and she gets notified when, when I add stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just really helped our, uh, our communication. One of the other things we do is I share some of my work calendars with her. So she knows when I'm busy during the day, she does the same nice. thing. So I, I know when she's working and yeah, it, it's really, um, it's really helped our communication and just kind of getting on the same page without like having to have a, like a meeting about it. It's been really nice. Okay. So step one in finding more margin in your life is to own your calendar. Do not lease your calendar to anyone else. Own your calendar, pay full retail for your calendar because it, it's an investment. It's what everyone gets the same amount of is, is time each week. So uh, here's my second one is money. And you brought this up a little earlier. I think you're right on. And I, I'm calling this living on the edge uh, with money, but the bottom edge. (laughs) Don't live on the edge of like you falling off the cliff. Be so far away from the cliff that you, you're you're totally fine. You're on the edge of the wall, right? Like, so I've just learned in my life that the best thing that I can do with money is to be under leveraged and have ample room there. And I would rather do things like I don't need as nice of a house as I could go get. I don't need the fanciest car, even though you're trying to convince me to go buy it. Oh yes, you do. Like, <laughs> like I would, I would always rather be under under leveraged with the lowest cost of living because it gives me options uh, in in decisions I get to make. Yeah, I mean, it puts you kind of in the driver's seat. I've lived both ways. I've lived where I'm kind of it's hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck, and uh, and now I, it's it's not like that. And I got to tell you, it's much better to to have less stuff. Mm-hmm. and more margin in terms of money than the other way around. Like I'm never, I, I'm rarely worried about like money and that kind of stuff. And it, it does give us options. Like we're able to, to uh, be a little bit more, um, I don't know, more free, I guess. It's, it's kind of strange how that, how that all works. Yeah. And to the point, I, I think for me, and I know you probably feel the same way is that I will accept lower margins in my life financially to have better life margins, meaning I will take a lower paying job because it requires a, a little less of me. And and I, I'd be careful here. I don't, I, and I don't want to sound like also like super, like I, I've been very blessed financially. So I, I, I'm in a place where I get to make these decisions, but some of those have come with the choices that, that we've made and sometimes hard choices. Like I have this opportunity, but I know in doing this opportunity, it's going to cost me X. Is it worth it um, to add that time to my life for, for the money, right? That, that goes with it. And there's definitely a, a balance here. But even, uh, you know, in the last couple of months, I opened up a, a small side business. And even in running that small side business, I get this uh, inclination uh, each week when I do the finances for it. And I'm like, Oh, if I optimize this and I made this tighter, that would push my margin up past this. And then (laughs) almost every single time I'll, I'll be like, nope, nope. It is better to accept a little lower margin. If that means that I have ample 
people here to do the work. Uh, and it means that I don't have to spend as much time with it. It is a trade-off to make. So I almost always accept a little bit lower margin in order to have a better life. Yeah. And this is something that, uh, I'm kind of just realizing just kind of, uh, actualizing, I guess, in my life is we, we all, like you mentioned, Casey, we all have the same 24 hours a day. Uh, that's it. We can make more money, but we can't get more time. And, uh, I I'm learning to better kind of prioritize time over money because that's something I can't get more of. And, uh, I, you know, I can find creative ways to make money maybe with less time, but I, uh, I can't make more time. Yeah, no, it's true. And again, I want to be sensitive here cause I'm, I'm feeling a little ping of like, uh, this can come across as elitist, but I, I could tell you, I have personally left, uh, six figure jobs to take sub $30,000 jobs a year to help find some of this margin in my life. And it may, meant some other really hard choices that as far as like where I lived and what we bought and even, um, you know, what we were able to do for travel, which is a huge value of ours in, in Lisa and my relationship, my wife, um, that I have, I've made this choice multiple times to even start over in a different industry to try to find more of, of that balance. I can, for me, uh, you know, I was a banker that was my background did very well in that space, but it took everything, uh, to do it. And there was some conscious stuff about even putting people into debt that I didn't like. And so I did, and, and I took a step back and started over in a completely new industry, um, in order to find this. And it hurt financially, it very much hurt financially, but it was like this, uh, Whitney Johnson in her book, building an A plus team talks about doing a slingshot, taking a step back in order to go forward. And I think that's what this is, is this is the momentum to pull that slingshot back to release it and, and watch the power, uh, of that unfold. And then be able later to get both things, to get the time and the the work that I love and the even the the money eventually, right? It may take a little while to get there, but it's it's always been worth it in my mind to trade that margin of money for margin of time and focus on what I love. Yeah, um, no, I, I think it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it, it, it's a parable now, right? It's like the story yeah. of the tortoise and the hare. You can go fast yeah. <laughs> really yeah. at the start, or you can kind of take it slow and think strategically and kind of plan strategically. And in the end, uh, you might do just as well or better than the hair did. That's it. And and let me be very clear that I am very happy to make money and I, I push to make money and I have goals and, and all of that. I'm super blessed with the job that I have because once I found, once I have the time part right and then the money follows is that it also becomes a, a, a cycle where then if I have some margin in my finances, I can trade some of that financial margin to get some more time back. And this is like trading money for time, which, you know, you got to it's it, there's different components to this. Like I, I wouldn't give up all of my free time to get more money, but I almost always would give up free money to get some more time back in, in my life. And I was thinking of a silly example of this. We do. Uh, like a meal kit uh, at, at our house where uh, we're trying to eat a little healthier and we found one that like delivers, uh, you know, three or four meals. It comes and everything's pre-portioned and like ready to go. And it cost per meal. It's quite more expensive than if we just went to the grocery store and got this stuff to make some tacos or something. Right. But 
it saves time and having to decide what we're going to eat, having to portion stuff out. It makes the cooking process faster. It's healthier. I will trade money for that time back and that ability to achieve a goal of like eating healthier. That's an example for me. Do you have examples of where you've traded time for money or money for time? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because right now, uh, there, there, like in my in 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 my professional work, there are a lot of opportunities available. Like, there's a lot of opportunity to make more money. But as I've looked at these opportunities, I I, re- I recognize that some of them are going to uh, necessitate more time, meaning I'm going to have less time. And then I got to think about, okay, well, what are the things that I'm doing with the margin that I have now? And, and what am I willing to sacrifice, if any, so that I can make more money? And, and, and I, I think for me, like where I'm at, um, is uh, probably nothing. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think that's a kind of a calculus that, that, you know, each and every one of us need to kind of sort out is, uh, how much margin uh, are we comfortable with? And, and then kind of, filtering new opportunities through that. Um, because I, I've become accustomed to having time to work on hobbies and to, mm-hmm. uh, spend more time with family and to go on vacations and, and, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I'd be kind of sad if I had to give up some of it. So, uh, even though I'd make more money and, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I can't make more time. I can maybe make more money, but making more money isn't going to make me more time usually at least in my case like making more money does not always make me more time yeah and sometimes some money can create some more time uh when you're doing it also i still want to just give this disclaimer one more time everyone is at a different place financially and in their life and if you're struggling to make ends meet or or like you know i don't know that i have all these choices we get it and i think we were both there at oh, different yeah, points no, in I, our lives yeah i've been on it's on a process both sides and and yeah, yeah i i mean just to kind of answer your question casey like one of the silly things we do i i'll just say this i am i really don't like yard work so one of the things we do is it's like the best 35 bucks i spend a week we have someone come and they do all the you know stuff around our yard that i I hate doing it. It's it's the best $35 I spend every single week. And that gives me time to like spend with my family and to do other things. Cause there were, there were weekends, like whole weekends where all we did was yard work and that was the weekend. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> uh, for me, it's like, not only do I, I know some people like really enjoy that stuff. I don't enjoy it. So spending a little bit of money to get that time back was a real win for me. I have another example of we've off and on use cleaners in our house. We'll have someone come clean and that's money always well spent to me uh, there as well. Then there's some other stuff where I'm like, you know, I'd rather have the I'd rather have the money, you know, to be able to go and invest or or do something else. So it definitely is a, a continuum. But if you're looking for ways to increase margin your time and your money are going to be involved. There's just no way out of of those two things. And then I think if I was creating a trifecta, the third I would, and we touched on this a bit is your commitments and what you're focusing on in your life. So time and money almost actually equals commitment, but I think there's some ways to reduce the commitment of time and money to get you more time to do what you want to do. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny and I, I don't know if you think about commitments this way, Casey, but before I buy something, I've started to think, okay, well, what commitment is this new thing that I want to buy? Cause I think it's going to be great. Is it going to put on me? Here's a funny yep. story. I recently purchased 
a robot vacuum. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going <laughs> to clean my floors. It's going to be, I won't have to like, you know, just press a button and it's going to do its thing. Well, here's the thing with the robot vacuum, Casey. You need to get everything up off the floor before it actually works. <laughs> and then you got to make sure it gets charged. And then you got to empty the thing like frequently. So here I was buying this thing that I thought was going to save me time where I just push the button and it like cleans the house magically. It's going to be great. And it's actually created a bit more work. Like I have to get everything up off the floor. I have to <laughs> empty the thing why, out. I got to clean it like regularly. Why is, why is the Wi-Fi not working? Uh, That's what I always think yeah, with those it, tech things. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I think, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think it created more work. It's really cool. Like, oh, man, that, that's kind of clever. But uh, it, it's created it's created more work. That's so you got to awesome. think about it. Like, is this thing that I'm going to buy that's going to save me all this time, is it really going to save me time? Or does it create a new commitment that I'm going to have to, like, deal with that might eat up time? Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so easy to fall into a commitment. It takes more work to make sure it's the right commitment. And there's this great book called Essentialism, uh, and we, we can link to it in the show notes, um, that talks a lot about like what your focuses are in your life. This connects back to our life planning episode. Like If I have a commitment that's not directly connected to some of the goals of moving from my current state to my ideal state in my life plan, that's a false commitment. And I can pick those things up like nothing, like, like I'm a magnet. I can just walk through the supermarket of life and I walk out with like 17 things attached to me that... <laughs> Like, it's like going so, to Costco, oh, right? Oh, I need commitment. that. I need that. Oh, I need and that. It, you don't think about, oh, you got to clean that thing. Oh, you got to maintain that thing. I don't even want thing. it. You got to set that thing checkout. up. You got to teach your uh, yeah. wife how to use that thing. <laughs> you know, there's like all. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's it's it's, yeah. it's it's very tempting. It's very tempting to fill up our, our carts with lots of stuff that we think we need at, without recognizing that they come with commitments. It's going to eat up your time. Because people are sticking stuff in there that you don't even know about. Um, I love the show impractical jokers and they have a game that they play where they slip things into people's carts at the supermarket. <laughs> like, a, like the whole goal is to not get noticed. Like how many pencils can I put in someone's uh, bag was one of them that they were doing. And I, that's how commitments, that's where commitments become dangerous in my mind. Oh, yeah. like, I don't even know I'm committing to something. Even I have an idea that I mentioned for something and that's like, great, well, why don't you go execute that? And I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. I, I don't care about it enough to execute. I just, it came to the top of my mind. And um, I, there's a couple of things I've done in this space, I would say within like the last year that have, I think are moving me to the right directions in the commitment space. And one of those is I am learning to never sign up for anything without an end date. And this is, this is like revolutionary for me because I had so many open commitments that, uh, is like for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to do this. And some of the stuff I like to do, no one else likes to do. Uh, like I'm a financial nerd. Like I, I love stuff like that. Like, so people are like more than happy to off put that onto me. And I, I've just learned even a couple commitments where it's like, I am really interested in doing this. But this is the end date uh, for it. And being very clear in the beginning, this is my end date or a reevaluation date even. Uh, and if that person or that organization or company is not willing to be okay with that, then I don't want it. Then it's a no. It's an automatic no for me. Again, back to this business that, that I started here in the last couple of months, I have a firm end date for that business that I will sell 
uh, the business by this date or reevaluate by this date. It was a three-year date. So uh, this is this is really helping me uh, in a lot of different commitments. There's a board that I that I'm on for a nonprofit that wanted you know like this date, and I was like, this is my date. I will I will serve till this date. And if if you're not okay with it, we can still be friends, but that's my date, and and I'm moving on. And I it just like it it allows something in my brain to think like, even if it's hard right now, I have an end date, um, that I can work towards and I can work to making that end date earlier or longer if I choose to extend it, but that there's always a time to reevaluate. I think that's good for all commitments, even your professional commitments, like how much, you know, and you don't necessarily have to tell people this either, but oh, I'm just, telling people, well, I know like, you I'm are, put, I'm putting but I'm it saying, on hey, my you know, shirt. you might not want to tell your boss, like <laughs> I'm reevaluating my position in this company on this date. Like you don't necessarily there, have to do that, but you can, but, when, when looking at new opportunities, when taking a right. new role, you can kind of set an internal clock where you're going to reevaluate kind of what you're doing on a particular day. And I think that's really nice. And it kind of can help you through frustration. Like, Hey, I got a date out there. I'm going to reevaluate then. I'm not yeah. going to make any rash decisions now. I, I think that's really wise. I've had this in jobs where I had a bonus structure and the bonus paid like one time a year. And I'd always go through this thing of like, ah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm so sick of this place. I'm ready to quit. And I'm like, Oh, but I have a bonus coming. <laughs> Maybe you so, reevaluate after you get your bonus. That's, a that's good it. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, and I can tell you, if you're on my team, I would applaud you if you're like, look, I'm going to reevaluate whether I like working here on this date every year. And I'm like, that's awesome. I love that. Can I be part of it? Can I, <laughs> can I give some feedback? Onto it? But I just, I think, uh, I was trying to think the only thing that I don't have this on is my marriage, uh, or being a parent. And I was like, wait a minute till death do part. Like there, there is an end date. <laughs> That might be the one exemption that, that I have, but it just like, uh, even when I present that, like, yeah, I am interested in helping with this, but one thing I want to set up is like, this would be the end date. And if people have a problem with it, then it's a red flag to this may not be the right thing, uh, for me to do. So anyway, I I, I love that one. I'm embracing it. It's really wise. (laughs) Jacob, the end date of this podcast is 10 minutes. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. (laughs) Oh, 10 minutes. Hey guys, this is it. <laughs> right. Well, I bet this Casey is just, Casey just <laughs> made it. So this podcast, um, the other thing, um, that goes along with that and where I've had some remediation here is if I'm in a commitment, that's not working, it's okay to renegotiate, um, the contract. It's okay to renegotiate a relationship. It's okay to renegotiate, uh, the rhythms, you know, all of those things, it's okay to come hat in hand and be like, look, this isn't working. Can we talk about how to make this work better? And, and I always want to live up to my commitments. Like that's, that's a core principle for me, but doesn't mean that I'm in jail, right? It means, you know, we're, we're in control of, uh, being able to renegotiate. No, and I've done that in, in my professional work where I just had too much going on. It's like, Hey, I can't take this, this new thing you've asked me to do. I thought I could do it. Let's renegotiate. And uh, I, I think that works kind of and, – and most like good leaders, good bosses, they're going to be okay with that. They're going to help you help you through it. I've helped people through it in, in situations like that. And uh, I think the, tr- the trick is is just doing that proactively. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, if you have a deadline, it will trigger you to do a renegotiation or an exit strategy. And sometimes the best thing that you can do for a commitment is to exit it in, in that you're opening up an opportunity for someone else. Mm -hmm. Maybe you even get to be part of helping that 
find that person that's going to get this opportunity. Like I just found more and more in my life, like there's, there's areas where I'm in the way of other people getting to do some fun things. And there's some new things for me to step into that. If I don't continuously reevaluate these things that either I'm going to miss out or I'm going to hold someone else back from getting to explore uh, something. Yeah. I th- yeah. That, that, that's awesome. Um, I, I've certainly stepped out of things and, and made room for other people. And it, it was really, it was really a good kind of healthy uh, thing. So I think it's really important just to evaluate everything on your plate and say, Hey, are there some things that I can give up so that I can do new things or have more margin? Uh, that, that That's a really good exercise. And implement the rhythms we've been talking about so that you actually are forced to look at this stuff and have margin to actually see this is all, this all circles upon each other. Uh, really does. The, the last thing I kind of thought here was um, what's changed in the last like five years. My default used to be yes to everything I was asked for. My default now is no. <laughs> and, uh, and part of me feels like I'm a big jerk with this, but it's also like either it's a no or a delayed decision. Like you were talking about earlier, I'll, I'll let you know by Friday, but I, I feel almost no regret about not jumping at things anymore, you know, taking my time or just like, and if, if the person doesn't have the time, then it's a no. Yep. My, my default is not a no. It is uh Hey Casey, that's uh that's interesting. I'll uh, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Mm, I like that. Then a no, then a no, <laughs> it makes the no a little, and, it's a soft. No, it's nice. And then but my wife's on to me no now when I say, Oh, that's interesting. She's like, Oh, that's a no. <laughs> you didn't jump at it. Oh, this is a no. It's a no. No, it, sometimes it turns into a yes. I, I will admit it. I don't always just, you know, I don't always, that, that doesn't always mean no, but it, it does mean that I, I, I think I do best when I'm given, when I give myself a little bit of time to think about decisions and to kind of bump those decisions up against other things I've already said yes to. And, and yeah, sometimes it results in a no, but every once in a while it results in a yes. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think it's helpful, and it helps me give better reasons when I when I do tell people now. Yeah, that's great. And when I tell someone no, it's it's also like no for me. But let me introduce you to two or three people that might be really great at this, or yep. have you thought about this? Even um, I also think this is where if you don't have a life plan, you're missing out because you'll be able to take any of those decisions against your life plan. Go back and listen to the life plan episode if you don't know what we're talking about. And that helps you make that decision too. Sometimes if you're on the fence about it, like how does this connect to my goals for the year in my life plan? And also like um, how I'm serving others is part of that, right? Like, uh, and, and I really believe in the businesses that, that I work in the, you know, everything that I do, that there's an element of serving other people. And that doesn't mean I have to serve everyone. Right. Um, and sometimes I fall into that trap of like, but it's a good cause. It's, it's the right thing to do. And, and it, it probably is nine times out of 10, but it may not be that I'm the right person. Um, even if they think I am, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> to do this, cause you don't want me on your team three months later, bitter that I'm stuck with this burden. Cause it's not something that I'm actually passionate about. So it's, it's the kind thing to do it is really to default is. to no, or maybe in maybe. Jacob's case. Or, hey, that's <laughs> like, interesting. That's, that's interesting. Tell me more. Tell me more. Um, Tell me in more. an email. Um, <laughs> it's not right now. So. That's great. Any other, any other thoughts? So these are, these are the three areas I was thinking is owning your calendar, uh, finding margin in your money, living, uh, you know, on, on a lower 
margin uh, to create higher margins in other places. So living lower financial margin to get higher other margins and then owning your commitments and uh, doing that. Any others that, that popped to mind for you? No, I think, I, I think we covered it well. Uh, I, I think, you know, for me, this is, the, this is really what I'm learning. And I, I think I, I like to say yes to lots of things, lots of commitments. I like to buy stuff. I think learning to just say no to those things or just maybe, or, Hey, let me think about it. Uh, is a really good sort of disposition to adopt. And it gives it gives at least me the breathing room I need to consider, oh, is this something I really want in my life? And to bump it up against my life plan and, and that kind of stuff. Um, it's not only like, I guess the point I'm making is it's not only professional pursuits or even personal pursuits that can uh, reduce our margin. It's also just saying yes to other things like uh, buying stuff right. or, you know. That, uh, that's right. Cause every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something right. else. Right? And, right. and sometimes I think we don't explore what we're saying no to, which could be rest or time with my family or emergency fund savings or investments, you know, just having some cool like hobbies that. like just that or going yeah. on walks. Like, you know, yeah. when I'm having really busy weeks, like I don't get any <laughs> exercise. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And then, then you're killing time later. Cause you're going to, I'm in the hospital for a week. I wish I would have took a walk <laughs> after that. I know that's a, that's a stretch, but you know what I mean by that? Uh, well, I, th- I think these are, are, are three really good ones. And uh, again, I think the, the part is if there's an opportunity cost here that, you know, there's formulas with money, opportunity, time, cost of money, time, value of money and opportunity costs. And it's true in our lives as well is that what we're focusing on now means we're not focusing on something else. And so you better be sure that the thing you're focusing on is the right thing. Um, and that's where these altitudes of planning can can really help you. So uh, in closing, just a couple things. One, uh, we have a newsletter that we're getting ready to send out here. We'd love for you to sign up for that on our on our website. We're going to also give away some free books uh, on this. If you're like, listen, this is not enough to listen to the podcast. I need some books. Or maybe you're like, this stuff Jacob and Casey are saying is junk. What do the experts think? We have some books for you. Lots of books. What experts think. So uh, sign up on our website at leaderfables.com for our newsletter. We'll enter you into that drawing. Also, we'd love if you'd leave us a review on whatever podcast player you listen to. That helps us get our message out to others. They get to see uh, the the show and and good feedback, bad feedback. We love all of it. You can send it to us at feedback at leaderfables.com. Jacob reads all of it and obsesses over it. And I've asked him just to share the positive with me. That's all. That's all he wants to hear, guys. Just that's all I want to hear is praise. No, just kidding. (laughs) We would love your feedback uh, as we do these. What what shows would you like us to do? What areas would you like us to tackle or topics you'd like to hear more about? We're very open to incorporating that into our planning. We will say yes to your feedback. Well, most of it. We'll say yes to reading it. Yeah, we'll say yes to reading it. That's for one year. Uh, we will say yes, because that is our commitment on this. Uh, uh, well, Jacob, thank you. I thought this was a fun conversation. I learned a lot. Um, and my encouragement is just pick one of these tips up that, that we gave today and, and start exploring it in your own life and go back and listen to the Five Altitudes Planning. Uh, but until then, until next time, lead on. Lead on.